Moncrief on News Talk. There's one memorial around the corner for the people who died on Everest. For everyone that's been lost on the mountain. Lost on the mountain. God, it goes back to the 1920s. 1922 is the earliest on record. And they were all Sherpas. Wow. 1924, 8th of June, George Mallory, Andrew Irvine. Uh, God, there's so many of them. There you go. Michael Matthews, British, 13th of May. Sonam, look, it's my brother here. Oh, yeah? We've had no choice as a family but to live with Mike's death and Seeing his name written in cold metal, dredged up old feelings of kind of anger, I suppose, for the way in which Mike passed. That's uh, Finding Michael. You can stream it now on Disney+. Plus. James Dempsey uh, joins us uh, once again. Afternoon, James. Good afternoon, Sean. Okay, so the gist of this, is this a kind of a thriller? Hmm... <laughs> Uh, this is a documentary right. and it is about like uh, you know I have to admit I knew who obviously knew I knew who Spencer Matthews was he is Mr. Vogue Williams uh, and I know Vogue from her podcast and uh, they are people who you know the kind of their their level of fame they they capitalize on different events in their life so I was surprised that I had never actually heard of this before but Spencer mm. Matthews who is, you know, very posh, wealthy Brit, went to Eton, family owned some massive, uh, like, Scottish thing. <laughs> right? Scotland, I yeah. think that's what it's called. <laughs> right. So they, uh, he, his brother, Michael, uh, became the youngest Briton to ever summit Mount Everest 23 years ago. Mm. And he reached the summit and um, didn't make it back down again. So he lost his life very shortly after making it to the summit and uh, his guide turned around at one point looking for him and he was gone, never to be seen again. Mm. And this has obviously weighed very heavily on the Matthews family, as you could imagine. And I think uh, as the documentary presents it, about a year ago, someone climbing Mount Everest sent a picture of one of the many corpses that are on the mountain going, oh, this might be your brother. And therefore, Spencer decides... What a weird te- message to you. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, so he then decides to go looking for his brother's body. Mm. And because... And I, and I don't mean this as a criticism, and turns it into a TV show because that's just the kind of thing that he does. They do, right? yeah. Okay. And I have to admit, right, it's an hour and 40 minutes long. The first 10 minutes are so like bombastically melodramatic. I mean, the music is blaring and it's like Mm. everything is up to 90 and it's, oh my God. And I was really, found it a little overwhelming to the point of absolute melodrama. And then once it sort of settled down, I found it a really interesting and very, at times, moving documentary, right? So the biggest issue, I think, is it it slightly oversells uh, Spencer's involvement in this in the sense that I got the impression before going in that he was, you know, I was going to see him... Doing, climbing a mountain. Climbing a mountain. Yeah. And he hikes his way to base camp um, and then is cooking <laughs> breakfast in the tent. And, Asks you know, around. Yeah, <laughs> while a group of Sherpas uh, led by Nim, uh, Nirmal Purja go up the mountain and do the various looking. Right? Uh. Now, I don't want to say, like, obviously, right, uh, it's still an achievement, I imagine, to hike your way to the base camp. Probably is, yeah. I'm I sure. have never done yeah. it. And certainly... I have never done it while 
with the spectre of my dead brother's my dead brother's uh, corpse, you know, hanging around the mountains mm. somewhere, right? So, in fairness, like I don't want to undersell the <laughs> the, the, the mm. thing here. But where it is incredibly moving, I found was um, so he, you know, along in the sort of preamble part, and this is all taking place very, very shortly around the time his wife Vogue Williams is to give birth to their third child. So it's all weighing very heavily on on you know the nature of family and and mm. uh, loss, etc. Uh, but then he makes his way to Nepal, and he has met this Canadian guy who um, who was with his brother sharing a tent the whole way up the mountain who had a camcorder with him 23 years ago, taking all of this footage of his brother going up the mountain. And we see, you know, him with his, uh, these two British friends of his uh, kind of being blessed in the same place. And it's very cleverly edited where they have sort of side-by-side comparisons of Spencer walking the exact same path that his brother is walking. Mm. And you know, obviously, that it is going to end very um, sadly yeah. for his brother. Then... The parts where we get onto the mountain, I mean, <laughs> right, like, uh, you know, right. I, I spent a lot of time watching my TV, uh, watching television. I, I, I never thought I was going to climb Everest, yeah. you know, before this. I am 100% never climbing a hill after watching this. Right, Because okay. it does an incredible job of presenting how miserably difficult it must be, or how it is to climb this particular mountain. Uh, it goes into great lengths to explain you know, how uh, it's in this, like, impossible zone. I can't remember exactly what the term is, but it's any mountain that's over 8,000 uh, mm. metres. It just cannot sustain human life. The air is too thin. People have to go up there and, they, you know, h- h- the British friend who's joining his friend, uh, his brother Michael up the mountain, sort of departs at the halfway point because he's suffering some sort of cerebral embolism from mm. the pressure and can't go on. And they have, a, like, a portable iron lung that they put him in for a few hours and still he can't... like. It just manages to paint this <laughs> unfathomable uh, picture of why, why anyone would do would. this. Now, is my, was Michael Matthews a highly experienced climber? He was definitely an experienced climber. So uh, he had he had definitely climbed some mountains in Switzerland in the Alps and had uh, was a very keen active sportsman. Mm. I don't know, like I don't know his le- level of expertise. Certainly, yeah, he was. No, it's, just, it's just a. F- from your description, this could be completely unfair. And and does Spencer Matthews ponder at all about posh boys going, let's go for a jolly hockey sticks climb up Everest and endanger the lives of some local people mm. while we're at it? Now, that I thought was an area where the documentary could perhaps have used a bit more yeah. uh, introspection. But for that, maybe you need to not be looking for your dead brother's body, yeah, right? Okay. Which adds the extra familial uh, grief to it, right? Yeah. Uh, we're a cynic like you. <laughs> Poking around base camp, yeah. cooking your, uh, your fry in the morning, then yes, certainly there are a lot of questions to be asked about this because... You know, like when when we do actually see the footage of the of the guys up the mountain traversing it, and I mean, this is like perilous stuff, and mm. it is made exceptionally clear to us how perilous this is. And like the whole time I'm watching it, going, you know, watching them move, they have a drone that they're flying around and essentially searching for needles in haystacks here, right, uh, for various bodies, and they find numerous bodies along the way, and then they make their way over to them to have a kind of look around and poke around and see, is this Michael? Maybe not. We'll move on, right? Which is, Do they, like, take photographs? Because this might belong to somebody absolutely. else. <laughs> so yeah. any footage, of, so I will say, the whole thing begins with a huge disclaimer saying, you know, you may find this uh, upsetting, etc. Mm. But you, you do not see anything. Everything is blurred out. Yeah, right? Okay. 
But certainly, there's a lot like uh, there's a there's very interesting questions to be had here about um, even a family as wealthy as the Matthews, and they are a very wealthy family, are only now making this attempt twenty three years later to to reclaim his body. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, many, many, many other bodies up and down this mountain for no good reason. I mean, for the for sport, yeah, right, yeah. And it does explore a little bit the idea of the number of people who have who have lost their life on this mountain, but it doesn't, especially in my opinion, grapple with the kind of economic uh, dodginess yeah. <laughs> yeah. of employing uh, Nepali, you know, guides to bring you up and down and risk their lives. And there's a moment later on in the show where, where uh, Spencer is chatting to uh, the brother of a of of you know in Kathmandu of a of a late uh, Sherpa who has lost his life only a year ago on the mountain, and he's saying like there's no way his family could ever afford to bring his brother down. That's just the way it yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it, you know, you have to go in with the knowledge that this is an exploration as much, I guess, of of you know of wealth right wealth and yeah. and socioeconomic the socioeconomic divide here between the different people who go up and down this mountain for sport or for a living yeah Okay, uh, James is on a bit of a, a, a dodgy kind of stream this week. Uh, the second show is Dublin Narcos. You can stream all three episodes now on Sky Documentaries and Now TV. Here's a clip. Were you aware the police were starting to target clubs and things? We were one step ahead of them all the time. Sometimes you would take over houses that were being built. Somebody would have the decks and we'd set up raves every night. If you go up that road there, like where that railings is, go down there, there used to be a priest's house there. And the priest was gone. I don't know where he was gone. And someone said there was a rave in the priest's house. When they opened the door, I mean, tens of us jumped out from behind the wall into the house. But the decks was there, they were playing like all the tunes. <laughs> and uh, the whole house was like a 90s inner city club transported into the priest's house in Killinard and it was just one of the best nights ever I swear to God So are we in like is it like a franchise thing now everybody has to have a Narcos <laughs> So this uh, yeah I think they're going for name recognition with Narcos right mm. based obviously a little bit on the on the Netflix show but this is a docudrama with more heavily on the doc side than the drama side right So it comes from a creator named Benedict Sanderson who made a show for Sky of some recently called uh, Liverpool Narcos which follows a very similar mm device which is exploring the development of the drug trafficking scene obviously in Dublin this time around and it's a three part series that begins uh, in the early 80s where heroin is just beginning to hit the Dublin market and the very insidious and almost immediate impact it has on on marginalised communities particularly in the city and it opens with this very interesting um Guy, actually, his name is Paul Tracy. He's a he's a recovering addict, heroin addict, living with AIDS, who is very gaunt. Uh, but he describes his first encounter with heroin in this really, you know, artistic uh, way. And like it does look, look in no way is is uh, drug addiction glamorized in the show mm, at all. Yeah, but just 
you're hanging off his every word as he's talking about the very first time that he, you know, injected himself with heroin and how it made all his troubles melt away. And this show is a very intriguing documentary because it is like, it is a sensationalised look at the world of drug dealing and narcotics and policing as well. I mean, we also, you know, one of the talking heads is Noreen O'Sullivan, uh, the former Garda Commissioner, talking about her time as I'm going to get this wrong, as in the Maki unit, right, the Maki. And the Maki's were, along with her, uh, you know, a guy who features more than, a bit more than her, Michael O'Sullivan, another retired guard. Uh, I don't know if there's any relation, but anyway, um, they were the Maki's, they were like mock addicts and they ran the first ever uh, under, right. like undercover drug mm. work in, in Ireland, in Dublin in particular. And you're following them as, this, you know, these well-to-do, uh, you know, older, guard, retired guards now mm. are talking about how they, you know, shaved their head or how they put on leather jackets and did these uh, yeah. busts. Mm. And I, what I really liked about it was I found it, I found it very even-handed. Like, I learned a lot in this that I had never, never even thought, never knew about before, right? Because I just wasn't really around at the time. And... Um, they had this very interesting thread involving, I think it's like parent, concerned parents against drugs. Yeah. yeah, there was a big thing in the Which inner I city. Had yeah, never. And if that appeared in reeling in the years, it has bypassed me, right? But mm. like seeing these concerned parents against drugs ro- organizing these like evictions, basically of drug pushers, get mm. the pushers out of their buildings, and this, but but yet having a bit, you know, having the like treating them both as. Uh, like questioning both their vigilantism, of, yeah, but yeah. also um, you know championing their 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 community, I mm. guess, right. So I found it like very bizarrely even-handed, despite being sensationalist. The second episode explores the rave scene and ecstasy, and the third episode is all about cocaine, the and and, and leads up to the murder of Veronica Guerin. And what I found most bizarre is right. The documentary parts are really well made. They're love. They're very nicely shot. They're lovely. They're edited really well. They're very entertaining. That's all intercut with this dramatized fictional fictional drug dealing, mm. and it's a bit amdram, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's a bit like how yeah, you know, like real, you know, yeah. like the most uh, amdram fake Dublin, you know, nonsense you've ever seen. So it lost me for all of those bits. Yeah. So it's it, does, it, it sounds like it didn't even need that. I don't think it did need it, but uh, it, I, it must have worked for Liverpool Narcos. So they thought, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do, do that, that again. It's probably the same actors as well. <laughs> uh, right. Our third show is School Spirit. New episodes every Friday on uh, Paramount+. Plus. Help me. I need you to force a confession out of someone. You know, rattle some chains, inhabit his body, scare the life out of him, whatever it takes. I need you to channel all your ghostly energy and dangle the sack of out of a window until he cracks. Okay, you're not getting it. That That's not how this works, okay? It's not like in the movies. We couldn't do that even if we wanted to. And I do want to. Yeah, maybe you're all fine just accepting this, but I'm not. I need to know what happened. We're not in some haunted house, chick. Maybe this doesn't jive with your fantasy of what this should be, but we're quite literally a world away. We're not there, we're here, stuck. No, not good enough. You know, if my friends can get the truth out of them, then I have to. What you're feeling right now is absolutely natural, Maddie. You're longing for a sense of control. We've all been there. I wasn't ready to die. Talking about it won't change anything. If I have to search this entire town for answers, I'll do it. I'm not willing to just give up like the rest of you. We're not giving up. We're moving forward. Yeah? Well, for a guy who's supposed to be getting people out of here, this still looks like a pretty crowded room. Uh, right, okay, there is, this is... 
high school kids something vaguely supernatural type stuff. Yeah, so I was thinking about, you know, this this launched on, on Paramount Plus on Friday and it is... Um, it is part of that like whole wave of teen soap operas that really have a much larger adult audience than teenagers mm. that they are ostensibly made for. For highly suspect reasons, yeah, well, I would true, think. Right? <laughs> and this one comes from a brother and sister creator named Nate and Megan Trinrud. It's based on their own book and it is about our, our, our heroine Maddie who awakens one day you know, as, uh, you know, to find herself having been murdered in her local high school. And she meets all the other people who have lost their life in this high school, of which there are so many. <laughs> I think you'd have Hello. to question yeah. uh, the health and safety standards of this <laughs> county. Um, and she is trying to uncover her own murderer in a, you know, in a very classic uh, spooky ooky teen, something goes bump in the night. Mm. Uh, and she has to sort of make connections to both the new friends who are the various ghosts from different decades of, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, etc. And her try and cross the spectral divide onto her friends in the living realm to help unravel the mystery. And it is a fairly, you know, I was expecting it to be this totally perfunctory, you know, nonsense uh, teenage soap opera. And I was actually surprised by how much I enjoyed it, right? Okay. It is like an incredibly economical show for Paramount to have produced because obviously all of the ghosts wear the same costume in every single episode. <laughs> there is one location because the ghosts cannot leave the high school so they, you know, yeah. are only ever there. Mm-hmm. So it, and I think there's only eight episodes. So it was made as, you know, this kind of show could be on a fairly shoestring budget. But the quality of the writing is there. The The brother and sister, uh, they were, I watched an interview in which they said they, they moved back to their family home after their father, uh, something happened with their dad. And in order to, you know, when they were going through this very stressful time, they leaned very heavily into YA stuff from their past and from the present and enjoyed it as a point of escapism. So if you are looking for absolute trite escapism, then this is right up your alley. Everyone is looking for the new Wednesday, right? When yeah, I reviewed yeah. Wednesday, whatever, months ago, I think I watched three episodes and I never went back because I thought it was... It's just so huge, though. Like, like yeah. It's even like... <laughs> even people who aren't... Like, I have a child who has never watched an episode of Wednesday but knows all about yeah. it because it's on Instagram. It's on, the, 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 There's a... She's a game figure. Yeah. That it's and I look and I wouldn't. I didn't call it then because yeah. I didn't like it. I still don't like it. I don't think it deserves any of the clout it has. Uh, you know, it has gained. But everyone is trying now to make the next Wednesday right. So yeah. this is Paramount's attempt. It's sort of dead on arrival. Because I mean, literally and also figuratively, <laughs> because Paramount here is not. It's not a thing yet, right? No, yeah. like people yeah. don't have Paramount Plus yet. It is much bigger in the US, but still. It's not it, it's not a Netflix level stuff. So will this survive to a second season? I don't know, but uh, it's a it's an enjoyable enough ride while you're at it. Okie dokie. Uh, that's our, our three shows today. Our Finding Michael, you can stream now on Disney Plus. Dublin Narcos, you can stream all episodes now on Sky Documentaries or Now TV. And School Spirit, new episodes every Friday on Paramount Plus. James Dempsey, thanks a million. Thank you. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.